hello everybody. It's Monday the 19th of June as we record this and two very important things have and are happening. Firstly, John Robert and I became movie stars last week um, when we recorded our first video for our website. So uh, anyone who wants to have a look at that in due course is very welcome to do so. And secondly, on Thursday, there is going to be a Bank of England announcement with regard to interest rates. John is here with me. What's your thoughts, John? Well, they haven't got anything right so far, so why should we expect any better now? Well, absolutely. I think, I mean, they're going to have to put it up by a quarter of a percent. I think it could go up by half a percent. But very interestingly, the Daily Mail over the weekend has been saying that uh, the Chancellor should uh, help people with mortgages, especially the young people with large mortgages, in a similar way to the COVID package and the energy package. I mean, to me, you're just going to kick this can further down the road until we get into a situation where the country's broke again. The country already is broke, seeing as we're spending two to three billion a week beyond taxation levels. Um, and they've got something like two trillion plus in debt, but that, 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 that's another matter. It's just ever more uh, intervention. And this is where it all leads from we, we've had, what, 10 or 15 years of, how, how could we describe it? Perhaps unconventional monetary policy might, might, might be a fair description. Printing money, endlessly buying sovereign debt. And this is the mess that it's led to. Every central bank telling you that inflation is transitory, where actually it's exploded. I think the ingredients are there for it to to fall back. But unfortunately, uh, money printing has become a way of life. Western governments are addicted to it. And they are now unable to fund everyday state expenditure without it. So it's a major problem. Um, in order to fix the problem, one needs to AC the problem. And most people involved in central banking and government don't see the problem at the moment. So I, I don't think the outlook looks good at all. Well, from what I've seen, there are about another three quarters of a million mortgages due to be reset during the current calendar year. And next year, there's a further million mortgages to be reset. And all those are going to be reset at a significantly high level. This morning, the cheapest two-year fixed-rate mortgage has crept above 6%. I I read some time ago, and interest rates were lower than this, that these mortgage increases were going to to suck £60 billion of spending power out of the UK economy. But then you take into account the fact that energy costs have gone up, food costs have gone up, you then really start to see where the, the standard of living crisis is going. Well, once you end up with economies that are so dependent upon consumption, this is going to become a major problem. They've tried to keep the whole consumption bandwagon rolling with interest rates that have been far too low to give artificial purchasing power. You know, it's been said before, you can't book the markets and eventually reality will come bursting through the door. And that's what it's now doing. An economy or economies that are based on consumption, it's weakness, it's economic weakness. The best economies uh, export. So now we've got this process of transition and it's what happens when you end up with an economy that is based upon uh, giving purchasing power to people who really can't afford it to buy stuff they don't need. This transition now is going to be very, very painful and it's not going to be over in, in a year or two. It's affecting this country worse. And in the States, you go and take a mortgage out and you take it out for 25, 30 years and it's fixed for that period of time. So 
you know that you're paying $1,500 a month for 30 years and then the house is yours. And I guess that there are other countries where they operate on a similar sort of basis. But having mortgages fixed for two years, five years or on variable rates produces a, a huge amount of uncertainty. And it's almost as if we've been very happy to party and interest rates were going down. But now that the hangover started, there's all sorts of noises. Yeah, well, you've got this cliff edge effect. But I would argue for all the for all the criticism we would level at the Bank of England, and, and there's been plenty of it, uh, here's another one. Why were they not saying a couple of years ago, interest rates are at... Uh, something like 300-year lows. Therefore, it might be sensible to all you folks out there, don't just spend it all. At some point, there is likely to be some kind of bounce in, in, in the cost of debt. And therefore, it would be prudent, rather than enjoy it, that you built a cushion for a rainy day that was very likely to come. I, I didn't hear that message. No, but I mean, I think it's very frustrating with so many things that 20, 30 years ago, it was my understanding that in Australia, banks had to provide you with a schedule of your mortgage payments and the effect on the mortgage payments if you were overpaid. And of course, when you overpaid, you brought the term down from 25 years to 21 years, 17 years, whatever it might have been. Had the regulator forced banks to send out those kinds of illustrations, maybe five years ago, then people would have been perhaps encouraged to uh, to save more. Well, maybe they would, but when you look at regulation in this country, uh, in any industry, does any of it work? It's such a sensible idea that it would obviously not have been implemented. In short... Over the last few, I don't know, let's say the last decade, decade and a half, imprudence has been encouraged. And now a lot of people are going to see that ultimately reality is going to impose itself. I worry about this country. I think inflation is stickier here than anywhere else. Inflation in the US came down to 4%, although core inflation went up slightly. Jerome Powell last week was saying that interest rates might have to go further, and I can get that. But it strikes me that the Americans are seeing a quite significantly growing light at the end of this tunnel, whereas I think that we're just seeing more and more darkness. Well, while all central banks, I think, are in the dark, the US, in in terms of improving matters, they started to tighten sooner than, than others. They're now getting the benefit of that. Furthermore, the energy situation in the US is far better. They they are not shooting themselves in the foot to the same degree that uh, the likes of, of the UK is. They have plenty of energy. They're now starting to export gas. So their whole economic situation is better. They started to raise rates sooner and therefore... That, I think that's one of the reasons why there um, uh, does look to be light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, the ECB is miles behind the curve. The uh, Bank of England has been miles behind the curve. But the fact is, you have now, because governments are spending far more than they really should be, and their central bank enablers with all their money printing have um, have helped them do it, they, the combination has introduced a level of structural inflation back into the system. And that is their issue. For those reasons, really, as as an investment management business, we focus on either UK businesses where uh, most of the earnings come from overseas, or we invest directly in overseas stock or funds 
which invest in overseas markets. Uh, yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean that there aren't some good domestic businesses, but they have to have a particular niche and they have to have uh, you know, a degree of financial strength. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that as a, as a general rule, we do we do like businesses that have substantial you know, coverage of earnings from, from, from outside the UK, yeah. We've seen the house builders have dropped. I just wonder whether there's going to be some bad debts with regard to mortgages and things and how that will affect banks, uh, building suppliers. They've been weak yeah. as well, well of late. Yeah, you know, it's one reason why we don't go near house builders is that every now and again you get a kind of existential crisis. Uh, and really, in a world where inflation is back in the system, it's ultimately it's not going to be the price of labour that is going to go down. It's not going to be the price of materials. The only realistic component of the price of a house that can fall is going to be that land value. So I do wonder about the land values that are sitting on the balance sheets of, of, of house builders. The most obvious thing that must happen is that the value of the land bank is, is going to have to fall. Yeah, but the good news for us is that we don't have to worry about that. This is the reason why we we don't buy house builders. Uh, for, for much of the last sort of 10 or 15 years, or certainly the last 10 years, you might have looked at that and, and thought, well, that, that we were missing a trick. To me, it's like playing past the parcel with a hand grenade. I, I don't want to have to guess when, when the pins drops out. Um, because when that happens, if you have to reset all those land values, are they going to need rescue rights issues? I don't know, and I don't even want to think about no, it. Not our problem. So, John, earlier you mentioned the word labour, and over the weekend I was reading that uh, Keir Starmer, if he becomes the next Prime Minister, is going to end North Sea exploration and instead is going to allow us to build wind turbines all over the country as his energy plan develops. What would you expect from a man who's never had a proper job and is so far removed from any process of wealth creation that he can't see that you're actually going to cut the supply of the main ingredient that powers Western economies? It will be a disaster in this Interregnum, we need more fossil fuels to get through this decarbonisation in order that the slack can then be taken up by other forms of energy. It's incredible. I mean, it's incredible that he, his advisers and some Labour voters cannot see that that could result in a lack of energy security and the price we have to pay for that electricity in particular in the winter on a foggy night in November when there's no wind and no sunlight, is going to be hideous. And we are all going to have to pay more to stay warm in the winter. Stop that talk now. He's a politician. He doesn't need to think about these things. Somewhat concerning, really. Um, But then I see that the Swiss, they're worried about their glaciers melting, so they're planning to bring in carbon zero even, even quicker now. I saw something the other day and it said that last year China commissioned six times more new coal-fired generation than the entire world put together. So with India almost due to overtake the population or India's population will be greater than China's. So that's going to be the better part of three billion people living in countries that have plenty of coal-fired 
power stations. Um, it doesn't really matter what the Swiss do. It doesn't really matter what we do. point is that the Swiss are in a far better position, being hugely wealthy, to be able to implement uh, measures like that, whereas we, we haven't got the money to be able to do it. it. But only some of us can see that. Yes, that is true. The, the Swiss being a successful or having a successful economy, do have a few more choices in this regard. Uh, as ever, politicians will do what politicians do. And if Mr. Tharma thinks that cutting the supply of, of oil out of the North Sea is going to help the situation with regard to you know, the high cost of energy, then um, uh, good luck, because it isn't. And then, uh, lastly, in a similar vein, I know that an Argentinian uh, lithium miner has got a problem. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a move now to getting more and more lithium out of the ground for batteries, etc., for cars. But this company has announced a, a six-year delay before they produce lithium. I, I don't know whether they produce 1% of the world's lithium or 10%. But whatever their problems are, other miners might have similar problems. And again... All that sort of thing is probably going to be inflationary um, with regard to lithium batteries. Well, absolutely. This is just another example of how the infrastructure and everything that is needed in order to decarbonise, it is impossible for it to, to work on the timescale that has been allotted to it. So it's far better to prolong the use of fossil fuels for a little bit longer in order to um, try and get over this hump. But um, the infrastructure just is not there to match the timescale that has been imposed upon it. Now, you can either accept that and deal with it, or you can live in a fool's paradise and, and ignore it, like Mr. Salmer. Thank you for joining us today. And we have covered mortgages, interest rates, inflation, uh, a little bit about carbon emissions. And if anyone has any questions out there, please do get in touch. Thank you very much. This material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. You should consult an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down, and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.